Well, I am excited to welcome you. This is a great day for us to gather once again as Christ Journeyers, whether you're a longtime part of this fellowship or whether this is your very first time to be with us. Thank you for honoring us with your presence. Thank you for accepting the invitation to be our guest today. And uh, for us to remind one another one more time, as we do many times as we begin a time like this, that nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is too hard for God, which means that it doesn't matter where you are or what you're going through or what you're facing, that across the nation, around the world, we welcome all of those joining us online around the world. Nothing is too hard for God. Why don't we say it together? Nothing is too hard for God. And hold on to that as we enter into this final message in the series, He Gets Us. It's 4th of July weekend in the United States, Freedom Day in the USA, and uh, what comes to mind for me is when I was an elementary student, I still remember the, the innocent pride swelling up in my heart when we would sing, my country tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing. And then a little bit later in it, you know, it says, from every mountainside, let freedom ring. And I remember the feeling of my heart as a little boy just getting big and like, man, we're part of something special, part of something big. And then I'm tracking a little bit farther down in my life journey, and I'm an older teenager, I'm a young adult, and I start learning some new nuances to the word freedom. Some that have been captured by the American rock band, The Eagles, in a song called Hotel California. It's about freedom, you know, where they say, welcome to the Hotel California. Plenty of room at the Hotel California. Living it up at the Hotel California. What a nice surprise. Bring your alibis. So something else is going on, and they, and they tell us what it is. Mirrors on the ceiling, pink champagne on ice. We're all just prisoners here of our own device. Wait, hold up. Land of the free? From, let freedom ring? We're prisoners here? Huh. Of our own device? I mean, think about it. He says, uh, last thing I remember, I was running for the door. I had to find the passage back to the place I was before. Relax, said the night man. We're programmed to receive. Now, you can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. That's the language of captivity. Trapped in the Hotel California, USA. Trapped in the Hotel California. Who knew freedom could leave you trapped? That was a lesson for me as a young adult. That what I thought was freedom could actually take me captive. You know, that I could be a slave to power beyond myself. I could be a slave to pleasure and the pursuit of pleasure. That I could be a slave to self Deception. We're all just prisoners here. 
of our own device. I don't know if you agree with that or not. I'm just telling you that in my life journey, it went from let freedom ring, what a wonderful, to I know what it's like to feel trapped inside myself. Decisions that can't be undone, choices that can't be unmade, freedom now gone to seed in license. The word for that kind of freedom is licentiousness. And it's related to vice, which you're familiar with vice grip. Hotel California. But it happens. You know, it takes people captive. Takes nations captive. Took me captive. 17 years old, I'm trapped inside my own body. Drugs that I had taken were now taking me. And I was free until I wasn't. Happy fourth. Trapped in my own body until the God of truth called my name and I ran out of that grave. <laughs> right? uh, Jesus Christ came to set me free. And now those passages about freedom in the New Testament have a deep, personal, new meaning to me on days like this. It is for freedom, Paul said, that Christ has set us Free, Galatians 5.1. Here's another one to his letter to the Corinthians. Where the spirit of the Lord is, doesn't matter what the government is. He was talking in the Roman Empire. He said, wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. John 8.36, Jesus said this. If the Son sets you free, then you'll know what freedom really means. You'll be free indeed. Jesus said this, you shall know the truth, and the truth isn't going to take you captive. It's going to make you free. These verses started making a whole lot of sense to me then. Here's what Jesus said at the beginning of his ministry. Inaugural message. He said, God has anointed me to proclaim freedom to the captives. I love that. This series has been about people finding freedom, people finding peace of mind in Jesus Christ. And we have heard stories all along the way in He Gets Us about people finding freedom, freedom from destructive pride, from anger, from heartbreak, from divorce, from depression, from codependency, from pornography, from alcohol, from drugs. Uh, a guy in, in, the, in one of my prayer groups this morning told me, you know, I've been going back through all of the messages of the series because there was one phrase I wanted to share with somebody. And as I listened to the whole message series again, I got to tell you, this has been great. It's been so helpful to me. That's what this has been about. If you heard it once and want to listen again, I'll just bring his recommendation to you today because in times of heartache and in times where you feel like maybe you're trapped in a decision or a choice or a circumstance, it's good to remember that the Bible introduces, the Hebrew Exodus introduces us to Yahweh God as the one true God who makes slaves into free people. And uh, in times of hardship and heartache, when our hurts and our habits and our hang-ups are pressing in on us, we remember that God is still setting people free, one heart at a time, one life at a time, especially in a time of hurt and hardship. 
But that's what we've been seeing in this series. He gets us. And he can get us free. So what I'd like to do as we begin and as we conclude, we're beginning our conclusion, is just remember together, what is it that he gets us means? And so I just want to bring back the Jesus statements that we've been through each of these weeks. Obviously, there are 11 of them so far because this is week 12. And let's just remember together. Here's the first. Jesus understands that I'm not okay. So I admit I need help. He gets us. Here's the next one. Jesus believes that I matter no matter what. So I believe God can help. He gets us. Does that make sense? Jesus treats me like he's my doctor and my coach. So I decide to live for God. You want to say it with me? He gets us. Here's the next one. Jesus gives me truth to help me get free. So I look at myself. That's harder than it sounds. But he gets us. Jesus doesn't let me off. Jesus doesn't let me down. So I confess my wrongs. I look in the mirror and I admit he gets us. Jesus is ready when I am. See, I'm not waiting on him. He's waiting on me. (laughs) Jesus is ready when I am. So I'm ready. I'm ready to be changed. He gets us. Jesus has everything I need. So I ask God to help. Bring some of that help my way. He gets us. Jesus values my relationships. They matter to you. They matter to him. So what? I think of those I've harmed. He gets us. Jesus understands how to do the healing work. He knows how to do that a lot better than I do. Jesus understands how to do the healing work. So I make amends that heal. He gets us. Jesus is in it for the long haul. Thank you, God, all the way. So I stay honest with myself every day. My part is daily. His part is I got you covered. Jesus wants me to get closer. He wants to get closer to me, so I draw closer to him. Can't make it happen, but I can lean in when he draws me. Amen. He gets us. And then Jesus, here's the last one. Jesus wants my life to make a difference, so. I help others. This is the 12th step in the 12-step program. Actually, here's how it reads. In the original Alcoholics Anonymous, here's how it reads. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and practice these principles in all our affairs. So, in other words, since life, spiritual life, is coming alive in me, then I... I'm having this spiritual awakening. I'm looking for ways now to help others in all my life dealings. Step 12 is about others. Step 12 is about others. You will get healthy when in step 12 you take it to others. That's the concept. General William Booth is the founder of the Salvation Army. He preached in his life over 60,000 sermons, traveled 5 million miles in 58 countries, and yet the message he is most remembered for is one he sent out via telegram 
to all of his troops about inspiring them, motivating them to keep sharing the gospel, to keep feeding the hungry, to keep offering shelter to the homeless. He simply wrote one word, others, period. Step 12 is about others. It's about helping others. It's about sharing with others. It's about being there for others so they can find their way. Now, Soon as we say that, I mean, it sounds great in a church setting, I know, but this is so counterintuitive in a world, in a culture, in a value system that is so self-absorbed and so self-obsessed. It's like, what? What's in it for me? But step 12 says, in order to get to true healing and peace of mind and freedom for you, it's got to be about how it can get to somebody else, too. It's like a spillway on the lake. Step 12 is there saying, let the water get downstream. Help somebody else. I read about a guy who had made nine trips to Israel, nine trips to the Holy Land, nine Holy Land trips and tours where he had taken people. And every time he asked for the same Bedouin guide, and every time that guide guided his tours, he sought to share his faith with that guide. And the ninth time, the Bedouin said, why are you so persistent in this, you know? And the guy said back, he said, you know, I, I feel like you're my friend, and I simply cannot not share the way of salvation with somebody I care about. And he said, the guide looked at him, he said, uh, oh, I understand now. You don't want to commit the sin of the desert. Bedouins who are nomadic people, to Bedouins he said, the ultimate sin is the sin of the desert, knowing where the water is, but refusing to tell others. See, step 12 is just knowing where the water is. You're drinking it in. It's, a, it's bubbling up. Spiritual awakening is happening. And it says, now, others. You're not the only one who's so thirsty in a desert wasteland of life. So choose to be helpful. Instead of refusing to share, you're choosing to share with others and be of help. We can all get by with a little help from our friends. You played ball, you know, hey, little help. Yeah, we all need a little help. How many times did Jesus call his disciples to be helpers of others? We find and follow Christ in our church, we say. How many times did Jesus say, here's what I want you to do, go help somebody? Well, Matthew 4:19, first call to the disciples, he said, you know, if you follow, come follow me. I'm going to send you out to fish for people. It's like people are lost in the sea of life, and we're going to bring them in and love them up with the message that's worth sharing that they need to know. He gets us. In the upper room, toward the end of his ministry, Jesus, right before he went to the cross, he's got his team gathered around him, and he says, now here's the main rule. A new commandment I'm leaving you, that you love one another. That's about 
others. Get beyond yourself. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 26, he says, whoever wants to be great, don't you want to lead a great life? Yes, I do, Lord. He said, well, then turn the pyramid upside down. Servant leadership that helps others is the road to greatness. The final commission that he gave, the great commission, go into all the world, reach the world. Teach others to follow the things I've taught you. That's like be a spillway in the channel of life so that what you've received from me, now that it's waking things up inside of you, others can now get hydrated too. Speaking of hydration, man, yesterday we had a garage sale, my house. It was a hot day in Miami. I needed hydration. Jesus is saying, you're the water guy for others that need a drink. And they're trying to make life work in this world. It's all about others. Jesus said, Matthew chapter 25, feed the hungry, care for the sick, visit the prisoners, clothe the naked. It's all about others. When Jesus saw the crowds in the city, this is right in the middle of his ministry. He's starting to move into cities. And he gets to this one city and he's so moved that that his guys can see he's emotionally stirred. Something's happening inside of him. The language is very emotional in the Matthew text. And he said, the, then the, Jesus says, you know, people are like orphans without a parent. They're like shepherdless sheep looking for the next pasture. And then he turns to his team and he says, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. See, that's about others. Eyes on the field, moved with compassion. And Matthew says, he saw people as harassed and helpless just in the throes of the hamster wheel of futility. He said, so helping them get out, showing them steps to get out of the hole that they're in and into a brand new street is what I'm sending you to do. And among the very last of his commands in John's gospel, says that Jesus breathed on them. We sang, Lord, Send the breath of your spirit, fan the flame. Jesus breathes on them, and, and he says, now as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Make it about others. This is incredible. Could it be that some of the peace of mind you seek will not be received until the spillway opens so that the flow that comes in can get through and get out? Um, read an article recently on the Beatles. It was dated from a survey that was taken in 2018. And it shows that they are still considered the greatest rock band of all time. 29% of all voters participating. You know, a third of the potential vote that's out there, all vote to say that the Beatles were named the all-time greatest band ever. You're wondering about the Rolling Stones? They came in second, 9% of the vote. That's a pretty big margin, isn't it? 29%. Even today, the vote's still coming in that way. But you know what song John Lennon wrote that was considered the most true song he ever wrote? In an interview that he was in right after the Beatles broke up, John said that, you know, this is uh, the most true song I ever wrote, and it's been called since the most revealing song about his personal inner feelings that he had ever used pen to put on paper. You know the song? Help. <laughs> Help. 
What does it feel like to be John Lennon? Help. I need somebody. Help. Not just anybody. Help. I need someone. When I was younger, so much younger than today, I never needed anybody's help in any way. But now those days are gone. I'm not so self-assured. Now I find I've changed my mind and I've opened up the doors. I want to say to you, those are some of the most life-affirming words anybody could ever say. Now I find, now, now, today, right? This moment, right now, right now I find that I have, I'm not so self-assured. I've changed my mind and I'm opening up the doors. That's what this series is about. And I got to ask you, have you come to that point in your journey with God yet? He said, man, I'm not so self-assured. I mean, I know I look like I got it together. I know I tell people, no, I'm good. But to come to a point where you say, no, I'm going to change my mind and open up the door. I'm praying that's happening for someone today, several someones today, that you would let Jesus not only meet you and heal you, but use you in your wounded place to help other find their way forward, to help Use your life to make a difference for somebody else. God's been good to you. God's been gracious to you. And now he can use his grace and goodness to get through you and do some good for somebody else. The spiritual truth and principle behind that is that God's life, God's generosity generates life. God's generosity generates life. That's the spiritual truth, the principle that's at work here. It's the ancient truth that is more fresh than tomorrow's bread. And we're to feed upon it and then share it with others. And I'm not talking about financial generosity in case somebody's mind is chasing that rabbit. That's not what I'm talking about. It could be that, but what I'm talking about is being generous with your time, generous with your attitude, generous with your spirit, generous with kindness, generously sharing the help and healing that God has been giving you so that somebody else could take their next step too. That's step 12. God's generosity generates life. And then the, the, it, this didn't start with Jesus. I mean, God's always been like this. So when he shows up in person, it makes sense that he would say, yep, still me. Setting the captives free, empowering, delivering those that have been oppressed. Isaiah's prophet, prophecy in uh, chapter 52, Isaiah saw this vision of the whole earth sharing the victory of God's good news. And he, see, he says it's such a beautiful thing. And here's how he said it. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news, good news of peace and salvation, the news that the God of Israel reigns. Same God revealing himself in Christ, now available to people. And need they, we got to shout this one from the mountaintops. Get it to the highest place so that it can go the farthest reach. And then people can tell you how beautiful your feet are. Tony Martinez knew that news. He was a longtime Christ journey. Remember, he's a personal friend. He's a deacon. Here's Tony with my wife, Lisa. He was a... Uh, a writer in the Journey Riders as well, um, spiritual leader to many of us. He was recently called to heaven. Hundreds of us were gathered 
for the memorial celebration of life, the 86-year-old Tony was remembered as a person of faith but not pushy. Present, present in his faith but not pushy. And I asked at, at, in, the, in the service, I asked at one point, you know, if, if you're gathered here today and Tony helped you meet Jesus, would you stand? I'm telling you, people were all over the place. I said, if Tony helped you get closer to God, would you stand? I'm telling you, three rows up front, all his family members, and then his friends, his business associates, there were dozens scattered across the room, all stood because Tony was living this value out. I mean, Tony helped people come to Christ his whole life. From the time he was 17, and he went to a church meeting because he and another athletic friend heard that cheerleaders were going to be there. And so they went, and the pastor gave a gospel presentation, and at the close he said, would you raise your hands if you're opening your heart to Jesus? And Tony and his friend raised their hands. He shared his story in the reception afterwards that Tony's friend did. He said, I remember that day we were at church, and and we raised our hands. And, and then the stories went on. When Tony got to the University of Florida, his fraternity, Sigma Nu, these are the tough guys, right? He was the chaplain of the fraternity, Sigma Nu. And it wasn't just in name only. He sought to help his brothers get close to God. Then in his service, 50 years a lawyer with Schutz and Bowen here in Miami. Faced some tough cases, I'm sure, but sought to bring people to Christ. I asked if, if he had helped you in your legal matters, people stood. When the Lord called Tony home, the deacons established a scholarship in his honor. Antonio, can you bring that to me, please? Uh, because Tony was so young at heart, and Tony came to Christ when he was 17, and then he served Christ ever since. Thank you so much that the deacons of our church established the Antonio Martinez Student Camp Scholarship and provided enough money so that three teenagers could attend camp not only this year but every year from this year forward at this time of year to commemorate the fact, what fact, that God's generosity generates life. And we're wanting to see that life continue to get downstream so that others can find their help. I've got, you don't need a sports story, um, but I'm going to tell you one in just a moment. <clears throat> the focus at step 12 is this at its heart. It's not what your problems do to you. It's what you choose to do with your problems that will make the difference. Will you let them lead you into an even greater impact to make a difference for somebody else. Now the sports story that Tony would have loved because he was a huge football fan. Years ago, Tom Dempsey set a new NFL record. The New Orleans Saints were trailing the Detroit Lions 17-16, to and quarterback Billy Kilmer passes to Al Dodd, who gets to the Saints' 45-yard line, and then gets out of bounds, two seconds left on the clock. In comes Tom Dempsey, an unlikely hero because uh, he was born without part of his kicking foot. His foot had been deformed by a, since birth. He had to wear an orthopedic shoe. And Tom Dempsey comes in to kick that 
record-breaking 63-yard field goal. First time it had ever been done in NFL history with a deformed foot. And they won the game with a disfigured foot. Here's the point. It's not what your problems do to you. It's not what your problems, your hurts, your hang-ups, and your habits have been doing to you. It's not just about you. It's about you letting your hurts become a foot into somebody else's future, even in its disfigurement, even in its deformity. You mean I don't have to be strong? No. You have to say help. And then you have to be willing to share the help that you find. And then let God redeem the problems. You know, Jacob had a limp. But Jacob's limp helped him walk with God. Paul, the great apostle, was actually blinded. But it was his blindness that helped him see God. Jesus was nailed naked to a cross. But it was that cross that helped him help us. And he saved the world. Imagine what God could do if we were all willing to let him use our hurts to help somebody else. That's step 12. What if we all decided not to waste our pain, not simply to try to deny our pain, or avoid our hurts, but we were to say, Lord, could you use my foot to help somebody else find the goalposts? Pray with me. What's the Lord saying to you? Don't ignore your pain. Don't deny it. Don't avoid it. Be willing to let God use it to help somebody else. And I don't mean just post a cool saying or a verse on social media. I mean like truly show up to help somebody live, in person, around the same table. Maybe with some healing words over a meal. Maybe sharing true joy on a game night. Maybe connecting with your group and sharing some of what you've been learning in this series. Even when you think you have nothing to give. That you're not smart enough, you're not rich enough, you're not strong enough. No, those are the precise points of Velcro that can help the connection happen. Your hurt, your hang-up, your healing gives you a story to tell. And human beings restoring humanity with one another in real trusting faith, real love, is what this story is about. It's not about when you get it all together. It's about... How will you let your pieces help somebody else with their puzzle? He gets you. Would you let him have your pieces now? Lord Jesus, I thank you for the privilege of not just getting to speak about this, but of feeling the reality of it in my own life for so many years. And I got that prone to wander in me. But I want to say yes, Lord. I want to say yes, I'm here to help others. Help me be more courageous about my mistakes and my failures so that others can find hope. Is this your prayer too, sister, brother? Help me not to put on so that others think differently of me, but rather to show up so that 
somebody else can find their next step forward. Is that prayer for you? Lord Jesus, I pray for my group. Are you in a group? Then help me to show love in my group. Help me to show forgiveness. Help me to show honesty. Help me to experience your healing and then be part of the part of the army of wounded healers that you are preparing for our world in such need. We thank you that our wounds do not bind you and that you are still in the freedom business today. And friends, if you have not yet taken the step a full turn toward Jesus. Here's how you can do it today so that his freedom can be yours. Lord Jesus, I believe that you were on the cross for me because you loved me. You love me. You get me. Forgive my sins. I believe you rose from the dead for me because you love me and you have power to free me. So come into my life and I release myself to you, turning from my way and learning to go your way. I trust you as my savior. In your name I pray. Our heads bowed just for a moment longer, but if you prayed that prayer for the first time and let me ask God's blessing upon your next steps of faith. Would you simply raise your hand wherever you're seated? If you're joining us online, please join the chat. Let us connect with you so that we can celebrate the freedom that God is taking you into as well. Amen. To my right, God bless you. Amen. Lord Jesus, for everyone who by uplifted hand is signifying an open heart, we pray that your freedom and your peace would be there real and there present. In your name we ask it. Amen.